iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Wine Times. The podcast brought to you in association with the Sunday Times Wine Club with me, Mikita Oliver. And me, Will Lyons, the Sunday Times Wine Columnist and Vice President of the Sunday Times Wine Club. And this show, Will, is quite fantastically all about wine. Red, white, rosé, sparkling. Italian, French, Australian, South African and all the rest. That's right. This series, we're going to be tasting our way through those tannins, which you're going to explain to me what that means later on. I, really I will. Because I really don't know. <laughs> and we won't be doing it alone. No, not at all. Who do we have, Will? Oh, you can't do it alone. So no, so every episode we'll be joined by a well-known guest for some good wine, good times and good conversation. This is like so much fun. <laughs> and remember, the wines featured in this episode and all others are available through the Sunday Times Wine Club. If you haven't signed up yet, there'll be a link in the episode description for you. I mean, I love them. They sent me a huge case of wine already. So I love them. So whether you're an expert with a broad palate or you just tend to stick to the house stuff in this show you're sure to find something that will suit your taste we're here in the wonderful Wadadley kitchen it's beautiful it's just beside the river lee in london's hackney wick it's owned by the incredible vivacious stunning talented broadcaster and chef andy oliver who is a wonderful woman she's also my mother yes she's my mother Sipping along with Mikita and myself today are the broadcasters, Sunday Times bestsellers and vegan chefs extraordinaire, Henry Firth and Ian Theesby. You may know them by their other name, Bosch, the vegan food partnership who for the last five years have been making moves in the industry. From what began as a successful YouTube channel, these boys from Sheffield have now gone on to host their own ITV show, Living on the Veg. Their debut cookbook has become one of the UK's all-time bestsellers, leading them to partner with brands such as Brewdog and Kettle Chips to bring vegan food into the 21st century. The men of Bosch, welcome. Now then, how's it going? Yeah, hello, do you hello. like being called the men of Bosch? I quite like that. Uh, That's quite cool, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, usually we get called Bosch boys, which oh. we like, or mm. Bosch brothers. Mm. Yeah, or boss lovers. Some people uh, wonder whether or not we're lovers, but uh, we're not (laughs) brothers or lovers. We're just mates. We've been working together for an extraordinarily long time. How long has it been now? God, we worked together, we've been doing Bosch for about five years. Before that, we worked together for about three or four years, and we lived together, so that's, that's quite a weird thing to do, right? It's quite yeah. the relationship. Yeah, we've known each other since we were 11. We were both from Sheffield and, yeah, grew up together. Love yeah. that. Love that you've built an empire together. Oh, I don't know about an empire, but... <laughs> Excuse me, in my intro, it says uh, the, the debut cookbook, one of the UK all-time bestsellers. That is really well, that's wonderful. True. That's yeah. a nice intro, whoever wrote that. Yeah. Thank you, Ben. Yeah, thanks, Ben. 
<laughs> so today we're going to talk about wine. Uh, I uh, we're usually guided on our wine journey by the wonderful Will Lyons. How how are you with wine? Have you been drinking it since the eleven year old days in Sheffield? Yes, I would say that I. I'm definitely more of a red wine person. I feel like there's a a beautiful kind of romanticism about a night on the red wine when you get a little bit giggly and a little bit kind of, you get those Friday eyes. But I'm certainly not an expert. Ian is more into high-grade wine than I am. Well, I wouldn't say high-grade. It's just, my idea of high-grade is 20 pounds rather than five. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, mean, that's... that's, that's, Pushing into the fine wine territory. Yeah, I mean, recently, just recently, I've been uh, nipping into a really nice wine shop uh, on the New King's Road, and the the chap in there is very, very knowledgeable, but you'll say, oh, this is nice, 25 quid. He's like, no, no, don't go for that one. Go for this one, it's 17. So he's obviously, like, selling quality rather than just trying to make some money, which is great. Do do, do you have a favourite country or region? Have you got got that far down the winery yet? Don't worry. No. We're we're not getting that. (laughs) Sheffield. Does Sheffield make wine? No, but we know, know, I, know. I think there is a vineyard in Yorkshire. Is there? Yes, there is. Because if, if you look at the map of English vineyards, and we have a lot now, we have over 200 actually. What? I think it does stretch, well, it, it stretches as far north as Northumberland. Yeah. And there is one being planted in the west of Scotland actually at the moment. That's right. Okay. Um, That's high up mm. as it's ever gone. Well, there, there was a very famous one in Fife in a place called Lower Largo, mm-hmm. and it was a farmer called Trotter. And he um, made this one. Of course, it's very wet there. And um, um, wet weather is the enemy of, uh, of, of English wine because it, it creates rot yeah. and you can't ripen the grapes properly. And to his own admission, um, he gave up because uh, I think he did di- absolutely describe it as undrinkable. Are we drinking vegan wine because yes. the boys are you know, at the helm of the vegan empire? Important question. So, yes. Will, 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 what's the answer you said? Well, I was hoping in this podcast, actually, you could educate me as much as I could Would educate love you. love to, yes. But I, am I right in thinking the rule of thumb is that the main area of concern is the use of animal-based products in the fining of the wine? Yes. So, just, so we are drinking vegan wine, aren't we? Yeah. Yes. Mm. Excellent. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look. This, we're going to get into a grey area, right? But the grey area is, some people might say, well, there are insects killed in the harvesting of grapes. And that basically would mean that no fruits or vegetables can be eaten because, you know, every piece of modern farming is going to affect insects and things like that. So that, as a vegan, isn't the kind of realm we get into. Yeah. That's kind of silly. And yeah. it's, I think there's a word called whataboutery, yeah, yeah, yeah. where people are kind of <laughs> criticising your kind of core decision and principle based on what about this and what about that, and it's kind of not the point. But yes, for us, some wines might be made with finings. Um, some wines actually will have gelatin um, yeah, used for the finings, and sometimes it will be refined from, um, I think it's fish gills. Yes. Yes. Icing glass. Exactly. Icing glass, yeah. that's the word. And also some real ales as well might use icing glass. Even like some beers um, would do it as well. But most beers now are fine, most premium lagers. Mm. Some cool real ale companies are doing vegan ales. Mm. They'd be um, fools not to, really. Exactly. Yeah. It's yes. a growing market. Yeah, it's a growing market. And luckily, lots of wine is now yeah. vegan. So, so you, 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 are you quite relaxed with that, then, if, if, with finding that uses fish? I just, no, I don't no. tend to drink that. Yeah. Um, but I kind of remember yeah. which ones are in and yeah. which ones are out. Yeah. If you're at a wedding, you know, you're probably going to make it. You might go to the bar. So I might go to the bar at a wedding. I don't know. You see what yeah. would happen. Yeah, so if someone's like, mate, you want a drink? And you're like, yeah, yeah, go on then. And it's like a throng of people by the wedding bar. You know, if someone passes you a glass of wine that might have slipped through the net, 
you're not going to beat yourself up about it. Yeah. But if you really did want to know about vegan wines, there's a fantastic website called barnivore.com. Yes. Yeah, 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 <coughs> Excellent. Yeah. You just type in um, the, the name of the wine and it will just tell you straight away if wow. it's vegan or not. Yeah, it's yeah, great. Yeah. I've oh, actually that used brilliant. that. So we're kind of like firm advocates of people eating vegan food and trying it out. Alcohol is not really our thing, although we like to make cocktails. I like to drink it. But, yeah. <laughs> but we would definitely steer clear of non-vegan beers and wines as, as far as we can. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So where do we begin our vegan wine well, journey today? Well, we're going on a French tour today. Nice. So every, every wine we have is, 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 is from France. And we're starting off with one of the most famous white wines of France. And I will pour out... I just, sorry, I just read what it is. I'm so happy. Um, it's a wine that you've probably all heard of. Um... But are not too familiar with it. Sancerre. I have. So we're yes. in the Loire Valley. Oh, lovely. The grape variety is Sauvignon Blanc. Mm-hmm. But unlike Sauvignon Blanc from, say, New Zealand or Australia or Chile, it doesn't have that huge. It can do, but talking generalizations, it hasn't built a reputation on huge amounts of fruit. Mm-hmm. We're, 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 we're looking at much more savory, subtle characters mm-hmm. here. Because this is a wine that's really, you know, made to. To go with food, so this would be perfect for like a salad or some yeah, kind of um, maybe a absolutely a more summery meal. So yeah. it's, I mean, it's crystal clear. Cheers, guys! Oh, cheers! Cheers! Oh, cheers. <laughs> That's so good Thank, for. Thanks for having us. That cheers so good for. Yeah, I know. Podcast. <laughs> so actually, you, you, you do get some herbal notes. You get some sort of grassy aromas yeah. there. So it is mm. that that lovely Sauvignon aromatic. Like walking through a meadow. Yeah. I love that. I love mm. that it's so aromatic. It's very um, light, isn't it? Yeah, very light. And we go really well, as yeah. you said, with, you know, salads, anything yeah. tomato-based, mm-hmm. um, lettuce, things like that. And I always think that um, in this particular series, we have to suspend our imagination and just mm. imagine that we're, we're it's, it's midsummer or yeah. early spring. Exactly. Mm-hmm. May, June, beginning of the cricket season. Mm. Sat there um, on a terrace like, overlooking the garden and having a nice crisp glass of this. It's really and fruity. It's five o'clock, you've had a hard day and then you, and then, and then, um, you get handed this. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's lovely. It's really refreshing but also, like you can taste the fruit in it. Mm. I like yeah. that. It gives it a little bit of depth and it stays in your mouth. Yeah. It does, and the, the, the flavour's developing. It's kind of, it's got quite a sharp up note in, yeah, in yeah, the aftertaste. Yeah. It's kind of like, it, it's, it's not unpleasant though. It's kind of, it, it's sharp, but So lumpy. I want to talk about that. Incredible use of the word. There is a word here that um, um, wine economists and wine snobs use the whole time, mm. and your chap on the, on the New King's Road will be using this. Mm-hmm. It's called minerality. Mm-hmm. And it's all about the aftertaste. Mm-hmm. And when we were talking to Gregory Porter, he was talking about this. So, so essentially, you might think of, of, of describing wine as all about the fruit and the herbal flavours and, and, and the sort of floral aspect. But a really attractive part of the flavour of wine is those savoury flavours you get, mm. which in, in, it, it, that they can be sour. But here, it, it's almost salty, isn't it, on the aftertaste? Mm, yeah. yeah. That, and it's a, it's a long aftertaste as well. Mm. Um, it's almost like stone, you know, but... I mean, how do you know what a, a stone tastes like? <laughs> well, yeah. if you think about water, yeah. you can now apparently get sommelier for water. Yeah, you can. No. So um, <laughs> presenting you with different types of water from different places, and you're essentially tasting the mineral content yeah. of that water. Mm. So I guess that's going to have a bearing yes. on the flavour of wine, is those, um, those little things yeah. that are dissolved in those the liquid itself. Absolutely. And, and, and the mm. sort of classic note for Sancerre is flinty. 
I mean, that's what you need to say to your child. Flinty. 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 So you say like stone. So, yeah, so, so you've yep. got this sort of grassy aroma. Flinty. A little bit of citrus notes. Are they lime? Are they grapefruit? Are they lemon? And then, and then you taste it, and that dryness. And that's what makes it go so well mm. with food, actually. I quite like the, the fact that there seems to be, well, I suppose this is the same with most wines, where you, it's almost like two tastes for the price of one. Because you got it as you, as you bring it into your mouth, and you put it down your throat. But then the breath afterwards absolutely, just brings a whole absolutely. bunch of new yeah. sensations. Absolutely. You get all of that nose, don't you? Yeah. The aroma, which is similar yeah. to how you should drink espresso. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And sometimes, if you have a little sip of water, yeah. That flavour will actually intensify. So how old is this? So this is 2020. 2020. But right. when people talk about a complex wine, people are like, what, what on earth people are... And it's exactly how you describe. Mm. In that you've got layers of flavour. Yeah. Mm. There's a lot going on. It's not a one-dimensional. It's not like it's sort of, you know, a cool lager that refreshes and that's yeah. it. There's the, there's A, there's the aroma. Then there's a texture in your mouth, which mm -hmm. is, is light and dance across your mouth. And then there's the aftertaste. Yeah. But also it will evolve. Yeah. Over the years in a bottle as well, so you get yeah. layers and layers of. And with regard to the taste, it also evolves out of your mouth, but into your head, yeah. like <laughs> like wine does. You know, it's kind of yeah. it's, it's, it certainly it's, does that. It is, it, but like it's it. You know, when you we've all been young and we've all like gone out and drunk to get drunk, yeah. mm. right? But now you drink to sort of appreciate it and the, and the, the, the sort of subtle drunkenness that sort of creeps into your brain like a nice wisping kind of haze yeah. is really really appreciative. Like yeah. it's, it's lovely. And you can see, I can feel it already, like yeah. the way that it's just kind of creeping into my yeah. brain. Yeah. And that's what great wine does, it relaxes yeah. you and um, it creates this lovely ambiance, doesn't mm. it? And that's part of it. I mean, obviously, that's, that's part of the alcohol speaking. But you guys, yeah, exactly, everyone's just pissed now. Um, uh, are you, you guys aren't actually trained chefs, so how did you actually start cooking together? Yes, absolutely. Um, we're not trained chefs, we are passionate, well trained home cooks mm -hmm. yeah so we were we were mates and we were cooking for each other and we both were really really kind of motivated by climate change and then we realized that there was a link between what you eat and your greenhouse gas emissions so yes. that's what kind of turned us down the route of eating vegan food and, mm. and then we saw there weren't enough vegan recipes out there because yeah, this is six years ago things weren't the same no david attenborough had not made the link between diet and climate and oh. nobody really knew it back then mm. so we we cottoned onto that and we thought well we love to cook we love food we already had a pretty decent cookbook collection in our home although they were all meat dishes you know mm. there was like i had an amazing lamb rogue and josh recipe i used to cook mm -hmm. uh, and uh, we used to make steak yeah and, uh, like talking about old lovers yeah exactly <laughs> oh, i can't talk about old lovers like that i'll be divorced <laughs> um so so we 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 essentially realized that we could combine our love of food and our desire to help the planet and our new learned ability to cook mm. Um, and probably the ability to make videos into something that looked a bit like a business yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and ultimately share vegan recipes with the world. So yeah. that's why we started. Yeah. But then since then, it's been a, a, a lesson in learning. Yeah, and I think uh, um, one of the reasons why our recipes are just have really popular, like we've had loads of views on social media, we've sold loads of books and people seem to cook our recipes all the time. I think the reason why people like to cook our recipes is because it hasn't been cooked by professional chefs. Mm. It's been cooked by people who are just, you know, like do their best in the kitchen and the best it happens to be quite tasty and it's not nothing too in, in nothing too difficult in terms of the techniques that we use so it's very approachable this is easy. such an important point mm. that i feel about cookery writing as a as yes. an, as as like you a complete amateur mm. in that 
sometimes the most technical you, you have a look at these recipes and you're like Christ, there's so many ingredients yeah, yeah. where am I going to get that by the way I've only got a local go on yeah. Yeah. and then, and then <laughs> you're going to do it and you're like you know, it's just so complicated yeah it really is do you know there's a thing that I think often a professionally trained chef would do and by the way, can I just say, we have the utmost respect for professionally trained chefs. Oh, we could yeah. never deliver 100 covers a night in a kitchen. We'd no, completely yeah. mess that up. But they'll do things like, they'll come up with a recipe, but then they have to add barberries and thyme and yes. think about a different yes. way of cooking that is outside of the norm, which actually alienates your classic home cook. Yeah. Whereas I think we are unashamedly basic. Yeah. We did a beans on toast for uh, April Fool's one yep. day, which no chef in their right mind would do. <laughs> and, and that basic approach to food that people want to cook is what's resonated with people. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to put you on the spot. Mm. <clears throat> the okay. classic match Great. for this uh, would yeah. be something like creamy goat's cheese. Okay, yeah. Mm. Or half a dozen oysters, something like mm-hmm. that. From a vegan's perspective, and I'm thinking now, I, did, I love, I love the, the think of this. Mm. Yeah. What would you pair with this? Now, we've talked about salads. Mm-hmm. That would go very well. Yeah. Mm. But I'm thinking maybe pasta, a bit of spice. I'm, I'm feeling pasta. like a cacio e pepe. So yes. if we were, we've got a gorgeous recipe for cacio e pepe, which is essentially uh, Italian mac and cheese. I know, yeah. I Pasta love it. with cheese with crazy amounts of pepper. And actually recently yes. I've been obliterating my cacio e pepe with with pepper yeah. so like silly amounts of pepper that anyone would say that's stupid but I'm, I'm big on strong flavors yeah. so I think the cheesiness of that which actually comes from nutritional yeast yeah and maybe a good vegan cheese because yeah. they're bad ones I think that would go really well and that would that would marry with that that mm. acidity yeah. and that salty character the flintiness yeah. Yeah. the flintiness yeah. Yeah. so this was that was the domain uh, Michel Thomas Sancerre I think Lauren is a winemaker, and it comes from the west side of Sancerre. It's, it's a lovely family-owned company, mm-hmm. and I have to say that is super. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Wine Times in association with the Sunday Times Wine Club. Remember, the wines featured in this episode and all others are available through the Sunday Times Wine Club. If you haven't signed up yet, there'll be a link in the episode description for you. As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Where are we going next, Right, William? well, let's tip our wines into So we're this. not drinking it all. Oh, this is such well, we've got two more coming, guys, so... <laughs> two more coming. Keep them coming. So, <laughs> we're leaving the Loire Valley, and we're heading west, so we're... No, heading east, sorry. We would probably... If, if we were travelling, we'd probably go to Paris, stop up at Paris. Oh, nice. And we're going down to a region which you've definitely heard of, which is almost going through... Not going through a purple patch, but almost reinventing itself in fashion. Beaujolais. Oh, excellent. But we're not talking about Beaujolais Nouveau, which we've just had. Mm -hmm. We're talking about Cru Beaujolais. So this is the 10 villages that put their name on the label. The great variety is Gamay. Mm -hmm. And in France, they have this wonderful word for it called Goulion, which means digestible wines. Mm. Goulion. Yeah, Goulion. Mm. So Beaujolais Nouveau used to be the first wine that arrived on these shores from this year's vintage. So they Mm -hmm. picked the grapes, you know, in September, October. And then they would speed up the sort of winemaking process by carbonic maceration. And okay. then they would bottle it and they would bring it to um, England. Mm-hmm. And it was a Sunday Times journalist called um, Alan Hall who used to write mm-hmm. uh, the Atticus column who in the early 70s. He was also um, on the board of the early um, Sunday Times Wine Club, I believe. Yeah. But he wrote in his Atticus uh, um, uh, column that he would, give a, he would donate a bottle of champagne for yeah. the first person, the first reader that could bring back a bottle of the new vintage of Beaujolais Nouveau, which was always the third Thursday mm-hmm. of, every, of every November. Now, back then, uh, you know, the Sunday Times was like Google, first page of Google. So yeah. Yeah, I see, everyone I see. did it. And the, the, the person that won the race actually hired a, a, a private plane. Oh, back wow. In the no way. Arrived That's at the dedication. Sunday Times office. Oh, my God. Uh, late at night, I think they're at Grey's Inn Road, so just off Fleet Street. Yep. Mm-hmm. Of course, there was nobody there no. because you know everyone went down the pub. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> banged on the thing, as with probably a few cleaners there and the, and the printers below. And uh, uh, of course, he, he he wins a bottle of champagne, and then the Beaujolais run became a thing, and everyone mm-hmm. would would race. And it was a big thing in the early eighties. Oh, so you know, cool. people were using hovercrafts. Oh wow! Elephants no, were what? used. Uh, the Red Arrows were involved. Bath so eighties, isn't it? So eighties to get wine yeah. first, and then it and then it sort of left these shores. And the two countries that really took it up were Japan, where mm-hmm. it's still quite big, and America, where they didn't say the Beaujolais has arrived. They said it's uh, it's Beaujolais time. It's Beaujolais <laughs> time. <laughs> Is that where it's Miller time comes from? They just stole that. But, so but, but your real connoisseur. Mm. Uh, We'll look at Beaujolais Cru, which is what we're drinking now. So it's all about the soils. So you've got granite soils. It's a much more serious product. And there's these 10 villages, Brewery, Shirub, Saint-Amour. We're in probably the most easy-to-like flurry, mm-hmm. which has that sort of silky texture, so when you put it in your mouth, but also notes of this sort of red floral notes there, so mm. raspberry. Yeah, I, I would say that, that that wine tastes like a like confectionery. Yeah, like it's got a tutti fruity yeah. kind of almost um, unnatural sweetness to it. Mm. Like but on your on your opening kind of uh, taste, it's super easy to drink. Yeah, yeah, and it is really pleasing the way it flows all around your mouth. Yeah, yeah I was going like to say, um, Fleury's quite dangerous. A bit like Vimto. Oh, really? A bit like Vimto. A bit like Vimto. Exactly. The cheeky Vimto. I, right? it's, a, it's that marriage between raspberry fruit mm-hmm. and cherry. Okay. And sourness or pomegranate. Yeah, it's deeply Moorish. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So, really yeah, nice. now let's, let's talk about, if, if we may, yes. vegan food pairings. So, I would say we could have a vegan meat platter. Yes. We, we like to make a bacon yeah. where we'll use things like soy sauce and paprika and maybe a hint of maple yes. syrup and actually what you find with those flavors you can almost turn anything into an 
alternate bacon. Mm -hmm. So you might have a ba vegan bacon sandwich made out of tofu instead of bacon, but it's fried to perfection. Mm -hmm. You might also make, let's say, a, a carbonara with those little bacony pieces. We've also used mushrooms as alternatives for bacon because they have idea. that kind of meaty, meaty flavor heady flavor exactly. totally very if you good cook idea. them perfectly with the right spices and the right cooking you can get something really salty and satisfying that would go great with this yeah, yeah. yeah. lunchtime it, mushroom yes that's a, that yeah. mushrooms are so interesting it. in that mm. world of of because it my for my mom's cooking caribbean cooking it, um vegetarian is ital mm. yes of and, course and it's obviously the way Rast rastafarians have been eating for hundreds of years mm. it's old news but for them right? yeah they're like please yeah. veganism. <laughs> we invented yeah. this but she did this thing and it's so interesting i think the way you slice something can change everything she did an yes. oyster mushroom hot King dog oyster. the big fat yes yeah, the big amazing. fat one and that was like and and what she did is i think they scored it yeah. And then mm. cooked it properly on the big old grills outside, and I was just like, it was like meaty, delicious pork. Yeah, yeah. yo, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. What you can do with the king <laughs> but uh, on the on the point of ital food with 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 mushrooms, so we've got a friend of ours, Marcus, and his dad Malcolm is Bayesian, mm. and whenever we went around to his house for for dinner, he would be like, no mushrooms, because they're duppy umbrella. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's also it's also called jumbies umbrella. Yeah, like in yeah. different countries, it's a duppy yeah, or, or a, a gumby, right? Which different. is a ghost that yeah. lives underneath mushrooms. Yeah. And our friend Nat, yeah. uh, who his dad is from St. Kitts, his yeah. dad Joe, shout out to Joe if you're yeah. Um Yeah, he wouldn't eat mushrooms and neither would Nat because they think, yeah, little, yeah, little demons live yeah. underneath yeah. the mushrooms. Absolutely. I wouldn't say mushrooms are a huge part of Ital cooking, yeah. but I just did it. Yeah, <laughs> nice, nice, no, nice. But on, on the subject of cooking with mushrooms, there's a replacement for meat. Uh, honestly, king oyster mushroom is the best. Uh, mushroom yeah, yeah. To, to replace meat. You can turn it into bacon, as Henry was saying before. You can turn them into scallops. Mm. You can pull them like pork or chicken. Wow. Um, you can you can chop them into ribs. In fact, we've got um, a video on one of our social media channels, on Instagram, it's called the ribs cage, which you basically take, um, you take one of those king oyster mushrooms, you chop off the cap, you slice off the sides a little bit, and then you fry it in a pan. But as it's frying, you take a potato mushroom and you squeeze down on it to get rid of all of the excess moisture. And what you're left with is something ridiculously meaty. It's like a steak. Yeah, yeah it really kind is. Kind of. All yeah. like the, it feels like, as your mouth feel, it feels like the fatty part of ribs. Yes. Yeah. So it's got a real kind of nice yeah. fatty texture, oh, wow. yeah. which is wonderful. And obviously the nice thing about mushrooms is, They'll grow in the dark. Yep. They'll grow in 15 days. You can grow them on coffee grinds. Yep. Or you can put them in the sun and they get extra vitamin D. Oh my and they are rumoured that they can also travel through space and potentially may have been the cause of life on Earth. Yeah. But Stop we don't want to go down Seriously. a rabbit hole there. Yeah. <laughs> but if you don't believe me, just Google, just Google um, mushroom spores, outer space, Earth. Population propagation. <laughs> yes, or I'll definitely do that. Stoned ape theory. Another, <laughs> another really great theory about mushrooms. Yeah. Well, what are, whereabouts are we going in France? Well, now? we're going to the southwest France, so we're leaving. Um, Lovely. Bougie, and we're going to Bordeaux. Bordeaux. Oh, yeah, Classic. The world's largest fine wine region. Mm. Um, wow, is it really the largest in the world? Even more yeah. so than, wow. say, California. Well, yeah. Fact, I, was I mean, it's amazing that Bordeaux produces around between 750 and 800 million <sighs> bottles a year. 800 million. My and, and they do red wine, white wine, sweet wine, rosé, a little bit of sparkling as well. It's mm -hmm. a huge region. It produces more wine than Australia, actually. Mm. Who oh. drinks all the wine? Us? <laughs> we have a long, long track record that goes back to the 12th century. The Brits. Yeah, the okay. Brits. Mm -hmm. um, the Dutch drink a lot. Mm -hmm. Now North America, Russia, 
China. Yeah. It, it's and and the Bordelais love to travel. They're great travelers, and they love to, you know, tell us how how, how great their wine is. Now, Amazing. fresh glasses. Please. Ian, can I just ask, is this the best podcast? <laughs> I think it's the best podcast <laughs> I've yeah. ever done. I mean, it's such a yeah. It's great. I yeah, mean, yeah. like literally, we're just sat here drinking wine, having a nice chat about wine. It's fantastic. fantastic. Well, now we're going to talk about your book. Oh, um, uh, Bosch on a budget. Yes. Um, I, I do also think there might be some people that think uh, eating, changing the way they eat, is going to change financially for them. It's mm. going to be more expensive, mm. and I think that terrifies people because people are really set in their ways with their budgets and things like that. Um, but it's just not true, is it? No, totally. You know, we've. With Bosch, we've always set out to bust the misconceptions about vegan food. People think it's boring, doesn't taste good. Rabbit food, you know? Yes. Which, by the way, five years ago, it was, if you went to a pub, it was lettuce and chips, was essentially what Some you could eat. Some pubs still is. Some pubs it still is. What are you having for your Christmas dinner? Yes, I am having uh, gnocchi and courgettes. Are yeah. you? Which is pub. some pub in London. Oh. That's their Christmas dinner. It's so easy to make a vegan roast dinner. We've shown people how, but yeah. some pubs still can't work it out. It's like, surely it's just a banging <coughs> nut roast. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But that's another story. So, so we want to bust these misconceptions and show that vegan food can be something people enjoy from time to time. It can be delicious. It can be nutritious. Mm. And yes, people often think that vegan food is expensive. It doesn't have to be. The core nuts and bolts of vegan food are essentially fruits, vegetables, legumes, nuts, all of these really healthy and really affordable things that you can get hold of. When it starts to get expensive is when you pick up those boxes mm. that are now available in every supermarket that have a burger for three pounds yeah. or maybe the kind of high end of the sausages. That stuff can really add up. So we really wanted to showcase with Boss on a Budget just how pocket-friendly vegan food can be. Well, now, I mean, I'm already sold because now that Ian said about all the things you could do with a mushroom, I'm like, I don't want a fake yeah. vegan burger. I'd like to slice a mushroom and get <laughs> it in know. a pan. Yeah, I you know think what I mean? yeah. vegan food for any foodie, for anybody who really like appreciates food and the process of cooking food and making something from nothing out of a bunch of ingredients, vegan food is kind of like opening a door and walking into a room you've never been in before. But it isn't a room, it's like a chateau. <laughs> using a French <laughs> It's like you could just walk in there and you can, because there's 80,000 vegetables that are edible on this planet. Right. And if you've never eaten vegan food before and you're only like, you've eaten meat, I mean, what are you going to eat? You're going to eat beef, pork, lamb, turkey, chicken. After that, yeah. you know, what, fish yeah fish but, but that's you know but I, I i genuinely think that if, if if you like food and you and and you like cooking adopting a vegan diet or at least trying vegan food is such a yeah. fantastic way yeah. to walk like to to just get you cooking again like, but i like the excited. idea of, of doing a couple of days a week yes you know yeah. i think that's yeah. a really good way to get into that, it it's totally like monday's a great place yeah. to start i with think that. it's brilliant if and the whole country were to do that it would be amazing you know yeah. just meatless monday or maybe even just a vegan breakfast yeah it's a good place to start that is good yes. yes what would a vegan breakfast look like <laughs> good question oh. uh porridge <laughs> <laughs> right, okay so um, porridge a lot of water. a lot of people like scrambled eggs for breakfast because yeah. obviously it's full of protein it's super quick and we made a really nice scrambled egg recipe but obviously with, with, with vegan ingredients and our vegan ingredients is tofu. So we take two types of tofu, we call it the two tofu technique. And we basically take um, some silken tofu and we blend it in a blender. And we cook that in a pan with a bit of olive oil or vegan butter if you want the fat. Mm. Then we take a little bit of this stuff called black salt, which is also known as kala namak. It's got a really sulfuric kind of um, like scent to it. Bit of that in there, a little bit of turmeric for color. And then you take a big lump of regular firm tofu, crumble that in there, 
and then you put it all over with with some with some garlic and some spring onions and yeah. what you're left with is something that is as protein rich as eggs super easy to make and utterly delicious yeah. perfect that sounds delicious sounds and then have it with a, with a strong coffee I yeah, love yeah. blending Absolutely. the silk and tofu first I like that idea the two nice tofu cream. technique yeah. Yeah. you heard it here first yum <laughs> Tell us about the wine. Well, then. so it's a bit of a challenge again, um, and I think the challenges have got uh, have got more 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 challenging actually, mm-hmm. because th- we're at the left bank of Bordeaux. So if you think of Bordeaux, it's a it's a region de- defined by waters. On the Atlantic, the Gironde estuary comes in. So on the left bank, which is a sort of south bank, mm. the, you have the famous red wines. There are grown with a, a, it's a blend of Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, and Petit Verdot. As a, as a huge generalisation, the right bank is softer and more supple. The left bank, which we are drinking now, is, is more powerful. Mm-hmm. And it has, we talked about minerality, which is a salty flavour. This has tannin. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, tannin you get in the pips yep. and the stems and the skins, and it dries out your mouth. Yes. yes. And it goes, this is why, please don't punch me. But <laughs> it, it goes beautifully with roast beef, you see, yeah, because, juicy, because juicy the beef. protein yeah. breaks down the tannin. So mm-hmm. I was wondering, how do we do this with vegan food? Mm. I would say, you know, in all these things, there are now alternatives. Mm. So I'm going to take you down the burger route. Mm. I don't know if you've tried them. Some people don't like them, but lots of people like them. There are incredible vegan burgers out there now. Mm. So you can get this... Uh, a burger called the Beyond Burger. There's also the Impossible Burger. There's all these alternatives to beef that are absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. It's almost like we set this up. <laughs> because I was going to say that. Okay. I was going to suggest that. And my epiphany came in mm. Napa when we went to Gott's Burger Bar and we were on a, uh, a sort of vineyard tour. I said, Kate, we've just got to have a traditional blowout burger and chips in an mm, American diet. There you diet. go. Yum, yum. And I ordered, by mistake actually, mm-hmm. this vegan burger, mm-hmm. which okay. was I think called the Deluxe or the Impossible Burger. Yeah, Impossible. Yep. Sounds right. I've heard of the Impossible. It looked the largest one on the menu. <laughs> so <laughs> <I> take it. <laughs> um, went out, ate it, and um, afterwards when we were driving around, I say to guy, I say, you know, I, I, I don't feel like really full. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think I'm going to have to have things to eat tonight. And I feel quite healthy because normally you feel yeah, yeah. so. Like, yeah, yeah. All yeah. meat sweats come. Yeah you, don't, yeah, you don't even feel full. You feel like crap. Yeah, it like wasn't until we got back to the UK when I was looking at the menu, thinking, what did I order? That it was a vegan. Wow. So every time I have a burger out now, I, I go for the vegan option. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. Do you know what's funny about that? We, we had that experience in America when we first tried the Impossible Burger. Now, yeah. if, you, if you remember, before we went vegan, which was only about seven years ago, I specifically remember the last time I had the meat sweats. Yes. And that was <laughs> me and my mate Addison. And we were skiing in France over New Year. And we ordered like a kilo of steak between us. Yeah, wow. God. And we ate it all. And then I woke up in the night feeling like my blood was essentially just fat. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I couldn't sleep. And it, it just felt like kind of, I felt intoxicated. Mm. And I would say that was the, the most severe meat sweats I've ever had. Mm. Now, we don't get that anymore because we just eat plants. Yeah. So it's, it's hard to achieve that same experience. Mm. But when we did go and have the Impossible Burger for the first time, I got maybe like 10% or 15% meat sweats. It's kind of all you want yeah. of meat sweats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the amount you're looking for. <laughs> you so yeah. There's a little bit of it. Yeah. yeah. Probably from all the fat they put into it. Yay! So whether it's from the beetroot blood, which one of the burgers has, or from synthesized heme, 
which is also a kind of um, bean-based blood to make the burger bleed and sizzle, they're kind of quite natural. And yeah. also I think that taps really into how much of a visual experience eating is and, and mm. how much you need to see something that makes you feel like yeah. that's blood, but it's beetroot, yes. but it sort of yeah. takes yeah. you somewhere yeah. neurologically. Yeah. Mm. It's also, um, if you think about a sausage or a burger, it's a very logical way to package food. Yes. Okay. Like, because we get asked quite regularly, it's like, oh yeah, but if you're vegan, like, why would you not? Why would you eat a sausage? Well, it's because a sausage is a tube, and it's a very logical <laughs> thing to use to cut with your yeah, knife yeah. and fork. Yes. Um, and it's the same thing with a burger. It's essentially just a sandwich, just everything that you need Hundreds. in your hand, and just yeah. Yeah, yeah. it down. There's only so many shapes. Um, gentlemen yeah. of Bosch, it's been lovely. It's We've been not really had chefs on. It's really yeah, nice to it's have nice chefs. To talk yeah. about, to talk we to love to talk about food. Yeah. Thank you for indulging us with both delicious wine and the ability to talk about food. Yeah. Yeah. We love. It's, yeah, been it's genuinely been the best podcast we've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for educating me as well. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, and not one spit between you. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've still got a bit to finish. Proper Yorkshire boys. Yes. <laughs> That's it from us today. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Wine Times in association with the Sunday Times Wine Club, produced by Ben Mitchell. You can follow the podcast so you never miss an episode. Just do this via your normal podcast provider. We'll be back next week with more delicious wines from around the world and another wonderful guest. And remember that all of the wines we tasted today are available from the Sunday Times Wine Club website. And thanks again to my parents for Wadadley Kitchen. That was great. That was awesome, man. Yeah, Yeah, you guys are the best. (laughs) VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.